Let me uh, just open us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll get right into um, what I want to talk about here. I'll kind of introduce uh, what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks, and, and then we'll have our, our prayer time at the end. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this evening. We're just so grateful for uh, the, this time in the middle of the week, Father, to come together to uh, study your word. And, and Father, for all that's going on here this evening, we, we just ask for your blessings on it, for uh, the parenting class that Stephen and uh, Leslie are, are leading and all those that are uh, in that class. Just just pray for them, Father. And um, as we have so many young parents with uh, with young children that are, are are so interested father in raising um, raising kids in uh, a godly way so we just pray that you'd bless that time and thank you for um, for their their effort in attending that class father for the kids I just pray that the gospel message would, would be presented um, to to Father, I know there's some that um, don't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that this would be an, an introduction to you, an introduction to the gospel, Father, and just do your work there as well. And Father, and as, as we uh, study your word here tonight, um, looking at a familiar passage of Scripture in, in Deuteronomy, Father, looking at fear and overcoming fear, and uh, Father, just bless our time together as we delve into your, your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, as um, I mentioned, in the next three weeks, we are, we're going to do a little uh, mini-series on three of, the, um, three of the things that a lot of believers face uh, as, it, as it relates to uh, a promise of God to uh, help us overcome some of these things. But these three things are overcoming fear. I'd like to take a look at that t- tonight. Next week, battling discouragement. We'll look at that uh, next Wednesday. And then freedom from loneliness is, will be the title of the, of the third lesson. But a few weeks ago, we looked at several of the promises of God. Some of you were here during that uh, two-week series. We learned we can trust God to fulfill His promises because of His character. We looked at the attributes, the characters of God, um, the main one being that he never changes. You, you know, God uh, can't tell a lie, his immutable character that, that never changes. We looked at that, we, and we also looked at his power to do what he promises. So with, with that established, you know, God's promises, and what I want us to, to look at over the next uh, three weeks, they can help us do battle with uh, some of the devil's age-old strategies that uh, that he uses to discourage believers. David Jeremiah, and I got a lot of my information from him, David Jeremiah in his book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, he identifies several giants that Christians face. There's actually 12 that he calls out, and we're going to be looking at three of those over, over uh, again, these next three Wednesdays. But tonight um, is overcoming fear. But when we looked at the character of God, and um, again, when we were looking at God's attributes a few weeks ago, we discussed uh, that unchanging character as it compares to how things rapidly change in, in our world today. Um, we talked about some of those advancements that are very beneficial and, and good, uh, the smartphone being one of them. <laughs> you, you know, it's convenient, and uh, we can talk to people um, at, at a moment's notice and all, all over the world. So our, our gadgets through the advancement of technology 
as I think we'll agree, have gotten, um, they've gotten a lot smaller, more powerful. But even, even though uh, the, the gadgets have gotten smaller and more powerful, I think you'll agree our problems have become larger. With the instant access to news and current events that we, we have in our hand around the world, fear and worry have increased. And I think we would all agree with that and some of the things that we um, have just ready access to. When we look at the downward spiral of our nation toward increasing ungodliness, we can become discouraged. And again, next week we will be dealing with discouragement. And even though we live in an era where we can be reached or reach someone in a moment's notice, loneliness has never been greater. And that's what we'll look at the, um, the third Wednesday. So how do we tackle these giant-like issues that continue to plague God's people? We can look to the giant slayer himself, David, for, for some answers. A young shepherd boy who defeated his, his looming giant that we all know by the name of Goliath. David possessed an attitude of victory before the battle even began. That's one of the first things to notice in, in 1 Samuel 17.32. He said to Goliath, let no man's heart fail or, or fail or fall because of him, meaning don't, don't be discouraged. You know, David took a, a look at Goliath, and he was a big imposing figure, figure but he knew he had the Lord on, on his side. He went to battle with Goliath with no aid of armor or sword or shield, and we, we know that David's source of great confidence was not in his own ability, but in, in the, the faith and, and trust that he put in, put in God. We should follow the example of David, not relying on our own strength to defeat the giants the devil attempts to saddle us with, fear being this first one we'll look at. We're fortunate to have the full word of God with many examples from men like Joshua and Moses and Abraham, Daniel, Isaiah, and all the apostles. They all trusted in God's strength to overcome their giants, and they ultimately became giants of the faith. We find a, a wealth of knowledge and encouragement and power in the Word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, we see, we know that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We can rely on God's Word. We can share in, in the encouraging words of Moses in Deuteronomy 31.8 uh, when he stressed to the Israelites, the, the Lord, He is the one who goes before you he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then he says, do not fear or, or be dismayed. So the rest of our time this evening, we're, we, um, we, we want to look at overcoming the effects of, of fear. And we're not talking about the kind of reverent fear that we see in, in Proverbs 9:10, where we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So that's a good fear, a reverent fear of God. So we're, we're not talking about that, but we're talking about that, that fear that's the fabric of, of living, that, that fear, frankly, that God has equipped us with. He's equipped us with an innate fear to, uh, to protect us. To, you know, we, there are certain things we need to be fearful of. Um, fear can give us a burst of strength and, and speed when we, when we need it. You know? Sometimes it's to run, you, you know, to, run to, to get away. But, uh, so it, it is a basic survival instinct and a good thing as long as it remains rational. You know, there are some 
really irrational fears out there known as phobias. Um, you, you know, there's not a lot of that out there. Maybe one in, in, in ten have exu- uh, people have suffered a phobia, but it, it, they are real, um, and that's what results when fear and reason don't keep in touch. You know, when, when, they're, uh, when they're just not in, in reality, um, you can create or people can have phobias. Like the woman, uh, the story of Marjorie Goff, who shut herself up in her apartment in, in 1949. Get this, and over the next 30 years, she only emerged three, three times. Once for an operation, once to visit her family, and once to buy ice cream for a dying friend. Marjorie suffered from a fear called agoraphobia, the fear of open spaces. So for her, it was a true fear. Another story of a a young truck driver I read whose route took him over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and he had this innate fear that for some reason over this bridge, Jackie has that fear too, I think. Maybe not not this bad, but this guy was in fear of uh, climbing out of the truck and jumping off the bridge. That was a real fear that, that he had, and so the, the story goes that he asked his wife to would handcuff him to the steering wheel so that he wouldn't be tempted to carry, to carry out that fear. But, but like I said, the, these are the extreme. Um, only one in ten people ever suffer from, from this type of phobia. But like a phobia... Fear, when it builds up its power over us, it can shackle us. Just like that man's hands, he had to have shackled to that wheel so he wouldn't jump. I mean, fear can do that to us. It can keep us from doing the routine things in life, working or playing or living or or serving God. It can keep us from that. We can give in to the slavery of fear. All of us wrestle with the, the garden variety of fear. Those awful moments when life seems to come undone. The message from the doctor, and we all have family and friends, or maybe even personally, that, that dashes hope. <clears throat> you know, you, if you look at our prayer list tonight, there are several on there that could, um, you know, that could have their hope dashed, that could be in fear. God doesn't want us to live there, and that's what we want to look at tonight. Uh, life after an unexpected divorce. You know, how, how much do we deal with that in, in our society, even within the church? A runaway tri- child, death of a spouse, or loss of a livelihood. These are all things that, keep us, that can keep us up at night. Fear has been described, and I thought this was good. Fear has been described as a small trickle of doubt that flows through the mind until it wears such a great channel that all your thoughts drain into it. It consumes, it consumes our, our thoughts if, if we let it. These tiny fears can build up day by t- day until we find ourselves paralyzed by them. There are many varieties of fear that most of us face and, and will face. They're just um, they're what we face in life, uh, like poverty, criticism, loss of, a loss of love, illness, old age, and death. They're all things that we we struggle with, even, even as believers. One would think that, that fear would be excess baggage to a Christian, you, you know, that be, because of the hope that we have as believers and in, in Christ, that, we, that it, would just, it, would, it would be excess baggage and we wouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, it. It should be that way. In reality, it should be, but it does not usually work out that way. The Bible does not paint a picture of a fear-free life. 
God's people seem to be tormented by the same fears as everyone else. The disciples who had Jesus beside them and walked with him, you know, for three years, they, we, we see them in, in constant fear of different things. Fear of storms, you know, that Jesus had to, to calm for them. Fear of the crowds, fear of poverty, of armies, and, and loss of their leader. They were fearful of those things. King Saul was ruled by fear, fear of the giant. Then the boy who slew the giant, he, he was fearful of. If David had any fear before entering the big battle with Goliath, it was short-lived. He took his slingshot and those five stones and, and stood st- tall in the strength of the Lord. Mark Twain once said, Courage isn't the absence of fear, but the mastery of it. So we are going to have fear, but the, the idea and where, we, and where courage comes from is mastering it. It's the place where fear and faith meet. In David, we have a story of the power of courage, but we also have stories of the power of fear. And one I want to really spend our, our time in Scripture on tonight is uh, the, the delegation of spies that we see in, in Deuteronomy 1. Uh, the passage will be 19 through 33. You can, you can be turning there, and that that's kind of will be our reference for, for this evening. Um, they, were, they were commissioned, as we know, these, these 12 spies, to go on a fact-finding expedition into the unknown territory that lay ahead, that we know of as the Promised Land. The Israelites were, were home at last. After generations of slavery in Egypt, it was the land of Abraham, their, their homeland, the land of their dreams. But as you know, it had been generations since, um, you know, since they'd been, been away or back into the, the promised land since the time of Abraham. So a lot of time had passed, so they needed to send these spies to go, to go check it out. So the land was really a mystery. So they assembled at Kadesh Barnea, and they decided to send these scouts out. The experience of these men had impact on Israel that lasted 40 years. And we know the wandering that we saw of them in the wilderness. It cost them years of heartache and tragedy. We know most of the men failed to see, or 10 out of the 12 failed to see the lay of the land with the perspective of God wanted, wanted them to have. As we look at these verses closely, we, we find five effects that I want to look at, five effects of the tyranny of fear, and then we'll look at five practical ways to overcome fear. So we'll spend the rest of our, our time there. You know, the book of Deuteronomy, the, ne- the name means really repetition or repeating of the law, and that's what we see in Deuteronomy. The, it, Moses was reflecting on what had already happened really pretty in the book of Numbers. And, and he was explaining to this new generation, remember those 60 and older, because they had to wander those 40, those 20 and over had to wander those 40 years in, in, the, um, in the wilderness. So Moses, in the beginning here in Deuteronomy, he was kind of going back. He was explaining, hey, why did, why did this happen? Why are you you've, uh, just now entering into the promised land? So that's what we see. And let me read... Um, in nine, we're not going to read it all in one, one bite, but we'll read sections. In 19 through 21, let me just read that. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites. 
as the Lord your God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. And then verse 21, see the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord your God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So we see in verse 21, it was clearly God's plan for the Israelites to go and possess the land of Canaan. Verse 21 clearly reveals what would stand in the, in the way of them fulfilling God's plan. What, what were those two things? Fear and discouragement is, was, were the obstacles. And that's exactly what controlled the people after hearing a negative report from 10 of the 12 spies. Fear took hold of their, their lives and they failed to believe God would be with them taking their land of inheritance and their place of blessing, which was promised to them. Fear can keep us from experiencing God's plan for our lives. We have an inheritance just like, just like they did. Our inheritance is just as much a part of God's plan as theirs was. And we have just as clear a warning as, as uh, Moses had for the Israelites. And we find that in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, which is a, a memory verse I know for a lot of you, which says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and, and self-control. God's not created us to be, be creatures dominated by fear. He's given us the principle of faith of which to, to live. This same principle was uh, given by Paul in the book of Romans, in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God's plan and His desire for us is that we live above fear, that we walk in the power of His love. And we'll talk in a minute just how, how love and fear, how they go, go together, so, which is pr- uh, pretty amazing. Um, so uh, sec- uh, secondly, what we want to look at here, uh, fear distorts God's purposes. So first, we, we saw fear disregards God's plan. That was what we, we saw in verse 21. And then secondly, fear distorts God's purposes. When fear dominates our life, everything gets out of perspective. Everything gets distorted. The 10 of the 12 spies who returned to Kadesh Barnea um, brought, brought a totally distorted picture of what the land was really like. You know, they said giants were, were everywhere, you, you know, and there were a few giants. We, we know that, but it wasn't like every person there was a giant. Um, they, they also said that all the cities were completely fortified, so their exaggeration really caused a, a snowball effect. Their, their, their fear caused them to see one thing and report another. In, in verse 28, uh, it, it states that they came back and reported, again, that the land w- was full of giants. And, and then backing up in verse 27, it was, it was so bad. In verse 27, we see if you can look at that, their thinking was so totally distorted they decided the only reason God had led them to Canaan was to destroy them. So, so think of that, blam, uh, blaming God that he brought them out just, just to, to kill them. We tend to think, how irrational could that thought be of, the, of these Israelites? But when fear begins to control your life, you don't think rationally. If you let fear control your life, everything will totally get out of perspective. 
And then thirdly, we see here that fear discourages God's people. Not only does fear disregard God's plan and distort his purposes, it discourages God's people. The kind of fear that controls is highly contagious. Uh, as we see here, it only took 10, uh, 10 spies to, uh, to cause the whole nation to really disbelieve God's promise. <clears throat> Think of that situation there, 10 men out of 12. Um, they, these 10 men determined the destiny of an entire nation for 40 years. Their words were so fear, feared, um, or were brought so much fear that the rest of the people uh, became fearful. The fearful words of 10 people turned the fortunes of an entire nation. It has been said when the spies came back from the land of Canaan that they not only talked about giants they saw, but they brought back one of the giants with them. And that giant was the giant of fear that they just uh, had a hard time dealing with. That giant walked right into Israel's camp and, and destroyed what was in the heart of a, of a whole nation. Fear like this is kind of like someone hollering fire in a crowded theater or in a room. We've all heard of, of stories like that when, when, panic, when panic sets out. The entire landscape changes when one or more people are consumed by fear. And then number four, let's look at the, the fourth um, principle here. Fear dis disbelieves God's promises. It disbelieves it. In 29 through 33, let's, let's read this. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 33. Fear disbelieves God's promises. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet, in verse 32, yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night in the cloud by day to show you what way you should go. The challenge before the Israelites was not something that came out of nowhere. This is a God that, um, that they knew and a God they should have trusted, a God that had been walking with them. Uh, it, was a, it wasn't an untested, uh, wasn't an untested God like the other gods that surrounded them in the foreign nations. This was the loving father who had been with them throughout their entire journey. They, they had witnessed all these things that are so familiar to us in our, our reading, um, the, the plagues in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the giving of the law, the provision of water and, and food when he cared for them in the wilderness, the defeating of their enemies on, on the way. They saw, they saw all of that. Um, and, then, and then that pillar of fire, that he, how he led them, led them by night, and then a cloud by day. They were witnesses to all this. God carried Israel um, as a father carries a child. The point of the wilderness experience was for the, for the people to bond with their father, for, for them to, to trust him more. God wanted their, their trust, but learning always involves testing, and that's what they were going through. Here, they were, they, God was testing them to, to see if they would trust him. <clears throat> and that's why these spies um, were, were appointed to test and to reveal their, whether they would truly trust in God or, or not. And, 
And as we can, can see, they, they did not at, at this point. The Israelites had everything they needed to pass the test. It seemed like every defining moment of faith is kind of like starting over. And that's what they had to do, even though in the rearview mirror they saw all, or they knew or should have been able to look in it to see all that, that God had done, that, but they still were so blinded by what was in front of them, uh, what was in the, the headlights, what they saw, what, what they were afraid of. Uh, they, they just couldn't get past that. Our mem- memory and experience should empower us, um, but... It, it, just, it just didn't here in the Israelites' case. The giants seemed so massive that they blocked out what God had done in the past, what he was doing right then, even in the present, and what his word, and what his word told them w- would be their future. And then finally, the, the, fifth, uh, the fifth principle, fear disobeys God's principles. In, one, in Deuteronomy one twenty six, look at that verse. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. This is a hard truth here, but it's, so, it is, it's true. It's the only way we can look at it. Fear is disobedience, plain, plain and simple. How can fear be anything other than disobedience or, or sin toward God? When he's given us everything we need to walk in faith, there's, there's a little phrase in the Bible that's repeated 366 times. It's one for every day and one for leap year. So there's 366 times the words fear, fear not. This phrase is um, in the imperative tense, which, which means it's a command. The next time you find yourself overcome by fear, remember we don't have to dwell there. And to do so is sin when we dwell in that fear. Disobedience is always costly for the nation of Israel. It meant a lost generation. They were sentenced to a restless nomadic life, wandering homelessly in the, in the desert, waiting for the last of a forsaking generation to die. We know that only two of, of those entered the promised land of, of that generation, and it was Joshua and Caleb. They had stirred, stood firm in their faith. You know, we don't want to let fear prevent us from accepting God's best for our life. It can certainly do that. Um, we, we feel God's leading sometimes toward a certain ministry or direction in life. And isn't it so easy to begin with the what-if questions when God is asking us to do something hard? What if I'm making the wrong decision? What if this business venture fails? What if I get homesick on the mission field? Uh, for, for me, what will I do with, um, have to do without if I retire early to per, you know, pursue a calling in ministry? I know there's several guys here at Hillcrest that faced that, faced that same thing, you know, that had jobs that they could continue to be in and, and earning more money, but they've been called to do uh, something different for God. We should not be like the Israelites who seem to forget that God does not call his children only to desert them. He was, he was playing, and Moses said it in uh, verse 27. Would he lead us this far only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? And certainly he wouldn't. Fail, failure to trust can lead right to the doorstep of heartbreak. Those who shrink back from recognizing and accepting God's call, they can be condemning themselves to lies of restless wandering. The fields of milk and honey, just like with the Israelites, that stood in wait. Uh, they, they could 
miss out on, or we could miss out on that. So the, the, next, um, the next five here are um, how, how should we confront or face our fears? Let's, let's close with, with these five. So we talked about the fears, and, and we, we saw those in, in these in verses in Deuteronomy 1. But now, how should we confront them? How should we face them? The first one is to confront your fear honestly. We need to be honest about our fears. You may, you may long for your fear to simply vanish or just wear off. It's not always that easy. It's, it's really, it's, it's not going to go anywhere on, on its own. If we want to defeat it, we must be like David, gather up our stones and advance boldly. First, we have to understand what is at the root of our fear. You must discover what's giving fear an invitation to take up residence in, in your life and then face it honestly. Sometimes you won't know what that is. You just have that spirit, just have that spirit of fear. Um, ask God in prayer and get counsel from a trusted friend. You can't get rid of what you can't identify. Fear will follow you wherever you go unless you're willing to confront it. Secondly, and we've already looked at this, but uh, that, that fear is sin. You've got to confess fear as sin. We've already seen that, it, it, and fear boils down to sin, but, but we, when we fear, we are sinning. The only thing to do is to come, come clean about that, to admit that in honest confession. Some may think that's an unrealistic stance. We may say, well, after all, we can't help but feel, can we? You, you know, or we, we have emotions, and, which is true, um, but it's also true that we have the power to act on our feelings. We, we have the, the mind and the power as believers of the Holy Spirit to, um, to take control of that and to act, act on our feelings. We can choose by our will to obey God's voice. We can make it our daily intention to fill our lives, thoughts, and plans with God's word. You know, David is interesting. Even though we saw no visible fear with him and, uh, when he faced Goliath, and who knows, you know, what kind of inside fear he, he had, naturally he may have, we don't see it though, but we do see in another case in Psalm 34 where David was fearful uh, in certain cases, and we see throughout the Psalms he prayed to God when he was, um, this case in Psalm 34 is when he was fleeing from Saul who was threatening his life. David sought refuge with the Philistines. Remember that story? And then he had to, he, he faked and being insane to protect himself. But then he, he wrote about that in Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. To walk with God is to walk fearlessly. So we, we identify the fear and, and we confess it. And there's one more thing we, we have to do. And this is true with all sin. Once we identify it, we confess it we have to truly repent of it. We are to repent of sin. That means to disavow it and to turn from it completely, to turn, to turn completely the other way. Then we can look toward the steps that lead us to, to victory over our fears. The third uh, promise here, claim God's promise of protection. If you find yourself overcome with fear, 
Take a stack of three-by-five cards, just like I know a lot of us do when we're memorizing Scripture, and fill them out with several of those 366 fear, fear not verses and carry those things with you throughout the day. Look at them. When the spirit of fear begins to intimidate you, and, and you know, which is the devil, in, instead, pull those Scriptures out and, and read them. Read them out, out, loud, out loud. Tell the enemy when he begins whispering to you about those fears to forget it, that you have the Word of God which says to fear, fear not. You know, just uh, a few, you may, you may want to jot these down, look at them later. We won't read all these, but Deuteronomy 31, 6, um, Psalm 27, 1, Psalm 118, 6, Proverbs 3, 25 through 26. Proverbs 29, 25, and then Isaiah 41, 10. Maybe I'll just read that one. Isaiah 41, 10, which is, uh, Tom, I know you, you probably know that one. Um, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. One of just, th- one of just 366 of those, those verses that you can call on. The inspired writers that we have throughout the, the canon of Scripture knew, knew what it was like to be afraid in the ancient world. They had fears we can't even imagine. Think of the fears that Peter and Paul had. Think of Jesus himself praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing exactly what lay ahead of him in the hours to come. All of us have found um, their, their strength in God. We've seen it and we read it and we can benefit from their spiritual wisdom. Fourthly, cultivate a close relationship with God. You can comfort your fears by drawing near, drawing near to God. Think back to those spies who entered Canaan. There were two, as we know, only two that were dissenters in the group. They were on the same trip. They saw the same walled cities. Uh, They saw the same giants and brought brought back that minority report, which which was to follow God and, and to say we can do this. What made the difference for Joshua and Caleb? What made the difference in those two verses of 10? Scripture states it clearly. We see in Numbers 32:12, we, we read, For they have wholly followed the Lord. Wholly followed the, the Lord. The Bible makes it clear that these men were absolutely filled with the Spirit of God, and they walked with Him in every way. It caused them to think differently. When we're walking with the Lord fully like he wants us to walk, we will think differently. It caused, caused them to act differently. We certainly see, have seen that. They were in the minority, but they acted differently. There's a lot of times, folks, we are going to be in the minority as believers in this world we, we live in and in our culture. But we, when we walk close to the Lord, we will have that, that power to act differently and frankly, to, to not be fearful when we need to take a stand that we should take. And then what did it ultimately cause them to do and which it will cause us to do? It decided, it, it helped Joshua and Caleb decide differently. When the time of crisis came, the time when to find out what people are made of, Joshua and Caleb were living proof of what it means to have godly courage. They had a relationship with God that was a dominant force in their lives. As a result, there was no room for fear. Uh, yet when fear started to creep in, 
the, the, that force of, of the, the Spirit of God in them and staying close to Him, abiding in Him, if there was no room for, for the fear. When they saw the giants in walled cities, they said, our God can handle this. What's to fear? Where the others saw obstacles, Joshua, Joshua and Caleb saw God. You know, our fear level is ultimately a referendum on the closeness of our friendship with God. It's a spiritual yardstick. So when we, when we think about um, living a life of just being uh, fearful and walking around in fear, we need to take a, a hard look at our walk with the Lord and how close is that walk because it is a spiritual yardstick. Do you see things in human dimensions or godly ones? When we're living in fear, we're seeing them more in a human dimension than we are a godly one. After spending time with your Creator, spending quality time and daily time with Him in, in, in prayer and in, in meditation on Scripture and reading the Word, we simply are incapable of shrinking to the fear um, and it, that creeps in, the, anxi- the anxiety and those type of fears that continually plague us. There's another, and I mentioned this earlier on, on love, there's another new essential um, a, a New Testament verse about fear, and that's 1 John 4.18. Let me read that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You know, it's funny, the opposite of fear you would think is courage, but it's not. And it's not trust. The opposite of fear is love. As we've already seen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? But he's given us a a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. We saw that in 2 Timothy 1.7. But look at it this way. Just as a parent showers a fearful child with love and protection when he or she is frightened, that's how God holds us. In his loving arms, he casts out our fears, if, we just, if we'll just let him hold us and cast those out. Children who are afraid call on their parents. It's no different for adults who are afraid. But the parent whose name we call, call on is so much more powerful and so much more loving and so much more responsive than we can ever be as physical parents. When we truly feel God's love, we will then be capable of returning love. 1 John 4, 9 says we love him because he first loved us. Love dispels fears. We will continue to be visited by fear because it's part of living. We're not going to escape those fears that creep in totally. It's just part of life. But fear will never have the same hold on us if we look at it this way. Those irrational, controlling fears will not be allowed to dominate the heart, for the heart is home to the Holy Spirit and, and our, our walk with the Lord, and the, and the Spirit won't allow it. The Spirit will see that our hands are active in ministry, and this is an amazing principle. The more you reach out to other people and to meet their needs in love, showing that love as God shows us, the more we do that, and reaching out in love, the smaller our fears will become. It just works that way, getting our, our minds off of ourselves that we talk so much about in prayer. An effective prayer is praying more, more for others than, it, than praying down our, our prayer list. Like this verse uh, reads, perfect love cast out fear. This final point describes the, the only way we can 
really um, do this. The only way we can draw close to God is, is the fifth point, committing our life to Christ. And that is, is the key. There's one ultimate fear that every, that every human being must face. One fear stands taller than all the others. We haven't mentioned it yet tonight, but here it is, and that is the fear of death. There's a passage in, in Hebrews that tells us how we should think about death. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we, we are flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And that, again, that slavery or that fear of, of death. It only stands a reason that if death, the greatest fear, is conquered by Christ's death for us on the cross, all lesser fears should be conquered as well. And they are. There's only one sure way to conquer the fear of death, and that is by accepting the gift of eternal life. It's offered through relationship with Christ. If you are a believer um, and, you're, and have eternal life and that's secured, then you've already conquered that greatest fear, that fear of, of death. But you know, we can work on uh, these, other, um, these other fears and anxieties that, that creep in, and we need to call on, call on that relationship with the Lord to do that. No other fear should concern, concern us, but, um, but if we're not a Christian, the fear of death as well as other fears will weigh us, will weigh us down. And that would be my encouragement to, to you is to accept the Lord as your Savior. And then you can begin this process of, of casting out all fear. As we, as we have read, perfect love cast out all fear. Okay. Um, let, me, let me pray and, and we'll get into our, our prayer time. All right. Father, we come before you. We're just so, so grateful, Father, for your word. I just, um, I pray that we would just take um, this example to heart that we read about of the, the Israelites, Father, how they, how they failed and they succumbed to fear. You were, you were there with them, Father. You had, you had promised them the, the land of milk and honey. And, and Father, only two, of the, only two of the ten spies could, could see that, Father. They, they trusted in you. What an example for us. What an example. Uh, the difference in, in them was that they, they trusted you, Father. They remembered you. They remembered your promise. Father, I pray that we would remember your, your promises, the promise of fear not that you've given to us throughout out your word. I pray that we can, that we can count on that, Father, for, for all of those here that, that have trusted you as Lord and Savior. We can certainly do that. Father, if there's anyone here in this room or those that are listening or those that will hear this message, Father, I just pray that, Father, that they would understand that a relationship with you and the love that, you, that we gain through that will cast out all fear. And, Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for that. Thankful for this time together to study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay.